Chris Chow. Welcome back to the show, man. We got a good one tonight. It is me. It is Jake. What's going on, buddy, man? Just the we are solo gonna, duo here. We're, we are going to party without Kyle. I mean, he's party. not going to be here to drag us down this week. And, no, we, we are going to straight up party this week. And then he's probably going to hear this and totally call us out on it tomorrow. But that, that's okay. That, that's something I'm willing to live with here today. It was a nice surprise to see that chair empty over there. I'm, I'm glad it's not it. I'm just kidding, Kyle. I'm <laughs> He's I'm like, what playing. the fuck going on? <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Why is everyone bashing me? No, I'm just playing, Kyle. It's, Easier but, to bash know, somebody when they're not here to hear it. Truth. Facts, man. I'm very Speaking good at truth. that. That's you right. Know, you turn your back. I'm the first one to start talking. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But you know how it goes, man. We got what? Training camp is what? Two weeks deep. We got preseason contests coming up this week to start it off. I mean, we had the Hall of Fame game. We'll discuss that. But we got two significant injuries, dude, this week. And I mean, it comes on the old line. And I mean, okay, fine. Jets, Becton, fractured right kneecap out for the damn season. And we'll start here because, I mean, this one to me, it hurts because I'm such conflicted with myself because I'm a Bills fan, but I love how the Jets (laughs) roster is being built and constructed. So this definitely hurts the Jets, uh, in my opinion. Obviously, we wanted to see that, you know, upgrade and in protection upgrade for uh, Zach Wilson in this offense to move forward. Do I believe it's going to, you know, cripple them? No, but this is a big impact. 100% it's a huge impact. They were really looking forward to having him back this year and I was looking forward to, I mean, they added Lakin Tomlinson from San Francisco, Elijah Vera Tucker coming into his second year, uh, Connor McGovern. I mean, they had some pieces on the offensive line to really have a solid overall unit. Losing Makai Becton is definitely, it's definitely going to hurt. And all of a sudden, am I going to say that I don't think we see any, you know, progression from Zach Wilson? No. Am I going to say that Brees Hall is going to struggle all year long? No. Is, you know, Garrett Wilson going to be a thing? Off and on still. I mean, there's still pieces in this offense that I'm not totally out on, but losing an offensive lineman like that again this year is not exactly how you want to start the season because we had a lot of high hopes for a lot of these pieces. I, I agreed. And I, and I wonder if they're going to switch it up where they might install more packages where they're quick passes you know, to get Zach Wilson comfortable in that sense, I, I still believe they're going to stretch this field a lot more this year. I do believe the running game is still going to be very, very good, even without Becton on the field. I mean, he was out last year as well. So, mm-hmm. I mean, but we saw the inadequacy in that protection last year where Zach was in the beginning. I mean, last five games, six games of the season, we kind of saw him take that leap forward, which was a nice surprise to see. But you wanted it to continue the progression uh, this season. And without Becton, I don't know. It's just... Man, the, the bookends are the most important thing on your offensive line, and I, I hope he's not running for his life this year. The what the I guess the two positives I can take away from this is one, at least he's mobile, Zach Wilson. True. At least he's not somebody who's just stuck in the pocket. Because if he was, I'd be a lot more worried. And secondly, he is still one of those quarterbacks that, when he escapes the pocket, he can make plays happen. Mm. They don't always look pretty. They're highly dangerous most of the time. But everybody wants to go back to the combine throw. And we saw one just the other day in training camp, same exact thing where he's what? He's rolling to his left, throwing across his body like 50 yards down. That is what makes Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson. Mm -hmm. So if anything, the silver lining here for me is this is going to maybe make him think a little bit less 
and go back to what made him successful in college and really not so much just be a, I got to stay in the pocket. If things break down, his instincts take over. And maybe we see a few more of those big plays. It may come with a couple more interceptions, but sometimes you got to take the good with the bad. Agreed. And, and you know, man, when we're talking Garrett Wilson, I mean, he's been, he was my highest graded wide receiver coming out of this class. Surprisingly. I haven't heard anything about him. But the, the catches that we have seen. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, you know, the one-hander right over the middle. I The biggest problem with him was the fact that he runs so unorthodox. He looks like he's off balance all the time, but he just makes it work. He's one of these guys just makes it work, understands how to play. And I think, you know, the silence on the most part is a positive because they're going to come out the gates. And I have a feeling they're just going to force feed this mother every single week because everyone's talking up Elijah Moore, as am I. I'm a big fan of his as well. But I think that the Garrett Wilson effect, man, we're going to see it between week one and three. And it's going to be like, uh, I don't want to say I don't want to go that far. It's a hot take to say it's like Jamar Chase-esque type of deal. But I think it's going to be in that realm where he's going to just showcase what he can do. And he's just straight up playmaker weekly. I mean, everybody's out there talking about Sky Moore and they're Mm. out there talking about Romeo Dubes and everybody else is getting all this press and training camp. You don't hear anything about Garrett Wilson, which I guess is still a good thing, because if he was really screwing up, you'd be hearing about it. I'm sure you would. That's just the way the world works nowadays. But Mm. the fact that he's in camp and he's not really the focus of it I think is perfect for him because now the expectation level is going to be lower than what the potential production can be so Mm -hmm. anything that he does to start the season like you're talking about is going to be above and beyond all people's expectations because they're they're not even thinking about him but Garrett Wilson is definitely somebody that you can't forget about they they focused on wide receiver with Elijah Moore and then they went with Garrett Wilson for a reason they need these pieces to move the ball down the field they Brees Hall is meaningless if there isn't a pass game for the Jets. It's just if Zach Wilson can't move the ball down the field to Moore and Wilson, Brees Hall is going to be buried. They're not going to get all those pieces there and not try to make it work. I agree. I think Garrett Wilson is going to get peppered with volume along with, I think him and Elijah Moore both get peppered with volume. Agreed. Agreed. And I mean, I think that because Garrett to me is that alpha guy, he he's the one that you want as your wide receiver one where Elijah Moore is going to be like, you know, you're, you're, it's it's almost like one a one B you want to say, because I think Elijah Moore is that good that he can be a slot presence and be like a, a number one target on this team. I just think they're going to be so deadly and damn it. Jets fans. I like it <laughs> as a bills fan. It hurts so bad, but the, the Philly Eagles, man, they lost Jason Kelsey, the center to elbow surgery. He's hopeful for week one. No word as of yet on severity. Some said, it's a cleanup procedure because it's been bugging him. I mean, he's 35 years old. He was on the brink of retirement, came back this past year just for one more kick at the can because, I mean, they needed a center and they were basically begging yeah. him to come back. So, I mean, this one hurts. This one hurts the Eagles as well. And, I mean, we're talking the run game with Miles Sanders' word out there that Kenny Gainwell starting to, you know, uh, jump on his coattails a little bit, starting to take a few more touches. Maybe he's going to see more action. The preseason will definitely tell us something. I mean, the depth charts have been released today. Take it with a grain of salt because it's just week one preseason first depth chart. They just want to, you know, iron shit out and give the vets, you know, their due to say, hey, you're the veteran. You get here with this priority. I think I saw like Tyler Algier eighth on the depth chart already means nothing right now. But when we're talking the Eagles, I mean, this if he's not back, Kelsey's not back by week one, two, three, four. I think it could be a pretty big problem for Jalen Hurts in this run game. I don't disagree. At least they are one of the better offensive lines as a whole. It's not like he was their one main piece and they lost him. So they still have other 
solid options on the offensive line. But the last thing, I mean, we talk about how important the bookends are at tackle. I'm of the mind that I think center is just about right there. You're talking about, you know, shotgun snaps. You're talking about the handoffs to the quarterback. You're talking about blocking up the middle. Whatever it is, it is so important to make sure that you are on the same page with your center. And now they may not quite be. I'm I'm excited that they're kind of leaving the window open for week one because that tells me that even if he's not there week one, week two, week three, week four is a possibility. So we're not looking at 12 games this season. So overall, I don't think it worries me, but it could affect the production at least to start the year. I'm not overly buying into any of the running backs because you just don't know who to believe, who's going to get the ball every week. We know Jalen Hurts. Everybody's talking about how much he's peppering and locking on to AJ Brown. AJ Brown. Yeah. Now, if that is the truth, I absolutely hate it because Jalen Hurts is not the type of quarterback. He's not Patrick Mahomes to where he can successfully spread spread the ball around, you know, consistently and dependable to to other wide receivers. If he's locking on to one guy, the defenses are going to eat him alive. He needs to make sure they have a former Heisman Trophy winner and Devontae Smith use that guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't just lock on to A.J. Brown. If they want to find success, they're going to have to make sure that somebody else besides A.J. touches the ball. Even yeah. though I love A.J. Brown sure. as a player, not Absolutely. the situation this year. Oh, man, it scares me half to death. And the fact that even though, again, we argue path to targets, path to volume all the time because that's your priority, number one. But when we're talking efficiency rates, I mean – how can we overlook the fact that Jalen Hurts is not the most efficient quarterback in the NFL? We can't overlook these points. And I mean, I get it. AJ Brown is a grown ass man. We love him. I'm, I'm worried. I'm very much worried about this past game in Philadelphia and how especially Devonta Smith is going to be in there. I mean, we're seeing, okay, maybe a little bit of a highlight for the Eagles is we're seeing Jalen Rager. They're saying he's doing too good to be released and mm-hmm. they're trying to shop his services. I'm still not out on Jalen Rager. I just think Me the neither. situation was wrong for him. And I, I'm, I'm actually hoping and praying he finds a trade a partner where they can get him onto another team here in Chicago's in the mix. I'm like, ah, come on, get him to somewhere a little bit better than yeah. Chicago. And then we can start talking about Jalen Rager again. I mean, could you imagine though? I mean, okay. So Jalen Rager, what everybody's going to remember are the drops, right? Mm-hmm. The missed big plays because the ball's going through his hands, bouncing off his face mask. It's not the talent of Jalen Rager. It's not the ability or speed. It's a couple big-time drops. If that were to fix itself, and then you look at a trio of wide receivers of Smith, Rager, and A.J. Brown, that, to me, would be up in the realm of challenging people like Cincinnati with Boyd, Chase, and Higgins. Are they above them? No. But talent-wise, if they could all work it out in Philadelphia – that could be dangerous because you've got all kinds of speed. You got size. Haven't even talked about Dallas go dare. I mean, mm-hmm. there's still other people there that if Jalen hurts could just find some consistency, he has everything he needs. It's crazy. And, and Rager's got the hops for a smaller guy. If you go back to his uh, college film, he was a contested catch freak for his yep. size. I mean, un- unbelievable. <clears throat> so interesting stuff going on, but two notable injuries on the offensive line. Big one, Kareem Hunt. He asked for a, a trade, uh, requested to be traded from the Cleveland Browns. He is not happy with his current contract. He signed that extension. He is on the final year of the deal. I believe it is $6.5 million. He is old right now. And I mean, okay. I mean, so this one is interesting to me. Why all of a sudden did he request it now is, is kind of where I'm like, 
what's the thought process? I mean, you really believe they're going to pay you right now with all the Deshaun Watson troubles that they got going on. They, this is the last thing on their mind. Cleveland has, you know, dug their heels in and said, we are not trading Kareem Hunt. He's, he's here, he's under contract and that's how he's going to be. So now this bodes so many levels of conversation. How is Kareem Hunt going to perform this season? Unhappy with his contract. Will Cleveland give him a contract extension to make him happy? Does this improve, uh, you know, Nick Chubb's stock because of the fact Kareem Hunt might want to be like, you know, I'm going to protect my body this year because y'all don't want to pay me and I'm going to go cash in on the open market next year because I know that the the NFL draft next year in running backs is a lot thinner. Yep. So my, my value is going to be a lot higher. There's so many moving parts now. So, I mean, it, it's an interesting time frame why Hunt did it now. I mean, where are you at with this? Because I'm kind of, you know, confused, but I understand it somewhat. Well, what really irritates me is I have said in multiple videos all offseason that I would not be surprised if Kareem Hunt was not a Brown at the start of the season. I said that for months upon months upon months, and everybody thought I was absolutely crazy. About a week ago, I put Kareem Hunt in a video because I said, listen, he's at training camp. It looks like he's going to be there. Now we kind of know. And then it wasn't like a day or two later, he requests a trade. And I'm like, son of a bitch, here we go again. Like I, I'm back to not knowing again. You know what I mean? And it's just one of those things where. Hey, the course, don't let the people convince you otherwise. <laughs> uh, no. Well, it. I am. And, and I'm really of the mind that I really don't care where he's at. I think his yeah. role is going to be exactly what it's going to be, no matter where he's playing football. I, mm. I don't think it can get any quote unquote worse than it is right now. If he's going to go somewhere, if somebody's going to trade for him, they're going to put him at minimum in a similar type role, even if it's just. 10 to 12 touches a week. On the other hand, he could go somewhere that really needs a starting running back and he could get 18 to 25 touches a week. We just don't really know. But regardless, I still think Kareem Hunt has that type of value that where you can get him in drafts right now, even if he totally bombs, even if there's issues, he's not hurting your fantasy team to a point in, unless you're one of those zero RB guys that likes to wait until fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round. It's not going to hurt your team. Is it going to suck that he doesn't, really produce of course but do i think he stays in cleveland i really do he's got a great relationship with nick chubb it's really the best situation for him as of right now obviously he wants to get paid but it is not going to happen from the cleveland browns until we get at least some more clarification on what's really going to happen with deshaun watson and I don't think they pay him because they're paying Chubb already. This is the yep. thing. I just, I mean, what what is he trying to get out of this contract? I mean, six and a half is pretty generous when you have a Chubb who is your RB one, quote unquote, in the offense anyway. So, I mean, what is he really expecting? Eight to ten? I don't foresee them paying that, especially. How. <laughs> how especially with how much they're paying Deshaun Watson like unless he's just asking for a one-year extension you know bonus money to get him up to 10 million because they're paying Deshaun only one one million this year fine then I get that but you know he wants long-term money and I'm sitting here trying to rack my brain on because every team seems to have a running back these days what is the best scenario for a cream hunt everyone's just go back to Kansas City that would make the most and it's fast never gonna happen <laughs> it would never happen but could you imagine cream hunt back on the Chiefs oh, I think that, that would be glorious, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I would take that in a heartbeat, but mm. that is not going to happen. That Those right. days are right. over. Right. And when you look at the NFL, like how many teams could he go to mm -hmm. that realistically make sense? There's not a whole lot. I there mean, isn't. there really isn't. I mean, you talk about Atlanta, maybe. Atla okay, Atlanta, maybe, maybe, maybe. Atlanta. You're not going to Houston. I mean, do we really care about him going to Houston? Like, that wouldn't be great. Nope. We have 
Um, I'm looking, I'm looking, still looking. Uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot of options that put really him in, put them in Miami with all those running oh, backs. Could you imagine like with the other 54 uh, running backs they got? Jesus. I mean, I've heard some people talking about the potential of the Rams mm. and as much as I don't hate that, I honestly don't know if I could see that either. Cause you're talking about another team that's paying a buttload of money out. And, and he's going to go there and he knows he's going to be like a rent a player there. They're not going to bring him there and extend him. Like that's not going to happen. They got cam makers for cheap for a couple more years. You know what I mean? So I, I just don't, plus he still got Daryl Henderson and I don't mind Daryl Henderson as a backup, a cheap backup right now either. So I don't know if they make that move. Like I said, as of right now, for me, best case scenario is him just staying in Cleveland because after Amari Cooper, there's really not a whole lot of options here and he could just rack up some receptions and even get some time in the slot. Do you know I'm I'm already foreshadowing to next year and I'm saying the the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, could you imagine Kareem Hunt on that offense with with Devontae Adams? I think that would be that super would be nice. Sick. Right. And that I mean the way that they're treating Josh Jacobs right now and the fact that they didn't pick up his fifth year option, you know, Kenyon Drake. Why do they hate stay- him? I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, con- I know we both confusing. like Zamir White. I know we like. I Zemir. love love Zamir White, but I don't hate Josh Jacobs. Like, nor do I. I don't. That's get, what I, I don't get, get it. I understand that the future could be Zamir White, but why would you? Why would you give him the finger for to Josh Jacobs this year? I don't. I why don't is he it. out there to start preseason? And, okay, let's let's go <laughs> to that because this was uh, this was a great topic that I was going to discuss anyway because it was the Hall of Fame motherfucking game. Okay, you put your number one running back out why? in the first the first three series. Again, he gets like what uh, 50, 30 yards on five carries or something like that. Gets a handful of receptions. And you keep him out there for three series. Everyone was like, why is Josh Jacobs on the field? Yeah. What are you guys, what is, what are they doing in Las Vegas right now? Like what is uh, McDaniel's thought process? I'm confused. It doesn't make any sense because what are you doing? Are you shopping him? Are you trying to show people what you have? That doesn't make any sense. The guy's in his last year of his deal. Anyway, he's going to walk right. probably no matter what. I, I don't understand it. And even once again, now granted, he's going up against dudes that were probably bagging groceries. Like, six weeks ago for a lot of the time, but he still looked good. He's quick. He's explosive. He's decisive. He knows exactly where he's going to go. He fights through tackle. I don't understand the dislike for Josh Jacobs. Now I could look around the league and look at some of the other running backs and okay, I could kind of understand that they're just trying to see what they got, but you know what you have with Josh Jacobs. He's produced on this team, regardless of it being a different coaching staff for years, you don't need to see what you got with Josh Jacobs in the first quarter of the Hall of Fame game if you want to win football games this year. Like that immediately tells me, like, are we trying to be too cute here? Like, yeah. what are we really trying? Are you because if that's the case, if we start to be a little bit too cute here, it's going to be a bad season for the Raiders because yeah. they're in a division that they're not going to have time to dink and dunk around and do stupid things every week. Uh, I'm baffled. I just, I don't get it. Okay. Because you know, Kenyon Drake, like I said, he's not the model of health. He's not going to be, he got hurt in that fucking game too. So I don't care what anybody says. He was, he was limping on the sidelines. Zamir white. Okay. He, he took a few carries. Didn't look great. He looked okay. And then you had the other guy behind him. I think, you know what the issue is here is that the overwork of a Josh Jacobs, 242 attempts in his rookie year, 273 in 2020, and then 217 the uh, season, uh, last season, excuse me. And then you added receptions to him last year to 54 receptions, where his typical was 33 and then 20 respectively on the past two seasons. 
maybe it's just overwork. So maybe it's the fact that he is good enough to be a RB one on like a 65 split. I mean, or 60, 40 split. Maybe, maybe that's the direction this, this uh, Vegas Raiders team needs to go this year. I don't know because I still was very confused with why even for trading, like you're saying, you're, you're not trading this man. Even if you're showcasing his abilities, everybody's got the tape on the man. You're not doing it in the Hall yeah. of Fame. They game. know what he, they know what he is. Right. You're not going to be. Oh, that's what Josh Jacobs is in the Hall of Fame game. Oh, I understand now. He's get. He's not going to want to sign with your team unless he's getting RB one money anyway. So you're going to have to do a trade and contract sign immediately for Josh Jacobs, likely to get traded. I just don't see it, and I don't get what they're doing. This is the Patriot way, man. <laughs> so you don't mess shit up and mess with our minds. Watch him get like 300 attempts this year with the Raiders after that. Everybody's going to write him off, right? Everybody's like, oh, he's out the door. He's not going to care. Yeah, and then he, they're just McDaniel's just going to just pound it. Right. All, all game. But see, that's what I don't understand with the Raiders is they're going to have to run. If right. they want to win games this year, they're going to have to run successfully, especially in their division. If you get a second half lead, the last thing you want to do is go three and out and give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson. You need to run the ball successfully to keep the clock moving so you can keep it away from your opponent in this division so they have to have a successful running game and as of right now that's that's still josh jacobs like let's not let's not kid ourselves it's still josh jacobs 100 i i'm confused raiders raiders fans i mean it's gonna be tough sledding man i don't know what this is interesting what josh mcdaniels is doing but nevertheless we do got another trade request it is roquan smith he has dug his heels in and he says, Bears, I want y'all to trade me because I am done with your asses. And I mean, I don't blame him. He's an elite superstar talent. I'd want out of Chicago too. I'd want out as well. <laughs> and I mean, I feel sorry. Make a package deal where you can get all our favorite players out of there, like Justin Fields, David Montgomery, get them all out at the same time and, you know, we'll move on. But this is an interesting one because Roquan, I'm a huge fan of his. He's a game wrecker. He can play in, in multiple facets of the field, you know, rushing the passer in coverage. He's a great tackler. And I mean, obviously, selfishly, I'll put my hand up and be like, Buffalo, call up, man, <laughs> call and let's man. go. But it's not going to happen because we got no money either. But I mean, he has a lot of cachet where he could, you know, even bring back a first round pick. I would not be surprised in that uh, uh, realm. And I wonder where he'd go because right now he's uh, Pittsburgh is, is apparently the rumored team to be shopping for his services. That would make sense. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think, you think Pittsburgh and defense, I mean, it kind of fits the bill, you know what I mean? So it's not like a total surprise there, but I have a feeling that this is just kind of going to be the thing. And I hate it for Justin Fields because the bears with their storied past could have been a, a, a destination that so many free agents wanted to go to. And you had an opportunity to give Justin Fields so much, maybe not right away, but over time, but all they're doing is absolutely killing their chances in the future of having anybody that wants to go to Chicago. Like, I don't know of anybody that says, you know what? I want to go play for the bears right now. I mean, they got the worst offensive line in football. Mm -hmm. Very. I mean, their wide receiver core is laughable at this point. Love Darnell Mooney, but outside of that big question mark, I mean, David Montgomery like what are they doing with David Montgomery did I now I'm gonna put myself out there did they have him doing special team stuff they did they did have and it's been the last few practices that is absolute that's stupider than Josh Jacobs in the Hall of Fame game because at least you can say I got Josh Jacobs in there get him some you know some game time or whatever if you're gonna put David Montgomery in special teams you might as well just can retire right now because that is this that is borderline the stupidest thing I've ever heard like you do not take your quote unquote bell cow running back 
and put him on special teams. I don't care the situation unless it's the Super Bowl and you want him to return a punt and just hope that he can make something happen. That is the only time he will ever touch special teams. I like Khalil Herbert. You talked about Khalil Herbert a lot last year. Yep. We love Khalil Herbert. Yep. That does not mean that you put David Montgomery on special teams. To me, that just says that even though Matt Nagy is gone, they're still stupid in Chicago. <laughs> The the stench of Matt Nagy remains in Chicago because somehow he's still making decisions. Apparently, somehow. yeah, it's in the air. It just it confuses the coaching staff, and along with maybe that's why Roquan was like, "I need to get that out of here." That, I don't, you know, know, I don't know if this is contagious. I got to get out of here. <laughs> it's a disease we're trying to get rid of, and we cannot because Coach Nagy has – I mean, here it is. I mean, I, I got the, the piece right here. Reports indicate expectations. There will be more of a share in the Bears' backfield under the new OC, Luke Getzty, if I pronounce his name right. Khalil Herbert looking to be, you know, getting a lot more snaps where rookie Tristan Ebner potentially having the pass-catching role that is left behind from Tyreek uh, or Tariq Cohen – I mean, and again, Monty's taking reps on special teams and Monty is, you know, the, the good hearted, the teammate. And he says, whatever they want me to do, I'm going to do. It's completely fine. I get it. But I mean, okay. If we're talking about this backfield, I think we got to break this down a little bit because I don't think they're convinced with the Justin Fields right now and his throwing ability. And, and he's off target quite a bit right now. And it's, it's well-documented. So installing, a trio backfield in Chicago with a horrible offensive line. I completely understand why you're trying to protect the rookie. I get, or the second year quarterback, I get it. You have some, some potential here with Monty, with Herbert, with Tristan Ebner. Ebner is a good, he's Tariq Cohen on steroids without being on steroids. If, if that makes sense to everybody. And, and that's the type of backfield you're going to have but why aren't you putting Tristan Ebner on special teams and putting yeah. David Montgomery? What are you doing, Chicago? I mean, I guess it's similar to a Josh Jacobs situation, right? Yeah. I mean, similar, but I still don't understand it. And you, I don't care if you pronounce the OC's last name right or not. He, he doesn't deserve it at this point because sure. it, it's, uh, it's just like you said, it makes no sense. I, I agree that if you want to take pressure off of a young quarterback, you have a solid running game. Agreed. If that's the case, though, you should have paid more attention to your offensive line this offseason instead of worrying about your running backs because your offensive line is it's not even a question. Like when you look at their offensive line, I don't care if you've watched football for a year or if you've watched it for 25 years, you can watch them and know that is the worst offensive line in the entire league. And it's really not even close. Mm -hmm. Who cares? You could have Barry and Sanders back there with this offensive line and they're not going to have anywhere to run anyway. So cool. You want to have three running backs involved. Awesome. They're all going to get stuffed behind the line of scrimmage because you didn't address that. So I don't really understand it. It could have been a perfect opportunity for even if they knew that David Montgomery wasn't their future. Hey, we're going to put a little bit of work into our offensive line. We're going to try to draw up some attention here. A lot of big name offensive linemen move this offseason. They had an opportunity to get something there. You know what? We're going to probably let David Montgomery walk after this year. We don't want to pay any type of inflated contract for a running back that we can get in the draft or we can use Khalil Herbert for another couple of years. I totally understand that. I don't even question it whatsoever. We probably aren't even talking about it right now. But the fact that they're handling things the way they are is totally bass backwards. Like, I don't understand what's going on. Like, that just – are you tanking? Like, are you basically just telling people Clearly. that you're going to try to lose games? Because, I mean, 100%. if you're not using your best players, who cares if they're there or not next year? I want to win this year. You know I mean? It's kind of like a – 
it's kind of like dynasty fantasy football, like the way that I approach it. I don't care about the future when I play dynasty. I really don't. I want to win every damn year, including this year. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to always build for the future. You got to make sure you're paying attention to right now. And if you don't want your fan base pissed off, if you don't want to lose all types of, you know, income this year from people who are just off the bears bandwagon, then just, <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing, I guess. Cause you're going to yeah. piss everybody off here eventually. And that, and that's the thing is the brain trust. I, I mean, okay, they changed everything over finally again, but it's that revolving door problem that you do have in Chicago. And, and if, until you get the right people in place that actually can do it, and this year could be one of those situations where everything we discuss about this team is moot after because they are doing a full teardown. We saw how many players they did le- uh, exit out of the, the, the system. And, and I mean, they continued like the uh, Khalil Mack, his yep. name faded me for a second there. And then, I mean, how many others we saw leave the Bears unit? I mean, we even saw um, Quinn. He wanted to be traded as well so I mean you have so many of these players sitting there saying I don't want to be here but I think they're almost doing that on purpose so that they can rebuild they can reload because next year what are they gonna have like 90 million dollars free in the cap or something but who's gonna want to go there exactly and I mean (laughs) that's the thing so they're gonna have to start on ground floor with the draft and then you know stock the 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 cupboards full of money and hope to say hey you know what the main pieces are going to be our quarterback and then our running back and Darnell Mooney and you know their defense obviously is is going to be decimated like you're going to at this point if Roquan is gone too you're going to want to play everybody that you have on your fantasy team against this Bears defense cuz they're going to be more holes in Swiss cheese yeah uh, that that's the silver lining here for fantasy players is mm. Chicago is going to be one of those matchups that you just try to on bye weeks. Who's Chicago playing? You know what I mean? Cause I got to try to find somebody to fill in because they are going to be, they're going to be bad. I'm, I'm honestly probably on yeah. both sides of the field. A lot of people I've gotten this comment the last couple of days uh, on different videos from different people. Like how can so many people be in on wide receivers of a team, but not on the quarterback? How can people like Jalen Waddle and Tyree Hill, but not like Tua? And stuff like that. I kind of want to make sure that people understand that the best way to explain that is Justin Fields, for instance, this year could go out and throw for only 2000 yards, eight touchdowns and 16 interceptions. We won't even talk about the rushing because we're talking about that, but 1100 of that could go to Darnell Mooney and he could still have a good year. You know what I mean? So the wide receiver can have a good year. The team overall could suck. Justin Fields could have a horrible year, but the one wide receiver could still you know, succeed. And that's why as of right now, the only guy that I'm contemplating in this entire lineup is Darnell Mooney. And outside of that, I'm not interested anywhere. And that's the thing too. I've been preaching this on all my videos when I'm talking about the Chicago bears offense as well. If you are picking any Chicago bear player outside of Darnell Mooney, we're all in agreement on that, that he'll likely path to targets is going to be good for him. And but he'll be some, your wide receiver three by that. That's, point. R- that's <laughs> right. So he's your flex play, getting the path to targets. That's fantastic. But when we're talking about a David Montgomery, the fear is every single week, the only point production Chicago Bear offense is going to get this year is going to be in garbage time. Are you comfortable enough waiting three and four quarters until like the last bit of the fourth quarter where you're going to get dump off, dump off, dump off from Justin Fields, and you're going to get all that garbage time production from your running backs and your wide receivers? I'm not willing to do that every week because that's a bloody heart attack every single week to get your point production. It is a terrible offense to be, you know, banking any hope on. 
And I mean, I was in early on, I want to say back in like May, I was in on the garbage time production potential of a David Montgomery. I'm completely out on this running back room unless it's off a waiver and I'm in a pinch and I need something. Yeah, 100%. Like I'm not I'm not even remotely interested. I love David Montgomery. Me too. Like I honestly, skill-wise, I would put David Montgomery probably up in the top 12. I mean, he's up in that range without looking at all the names, but it's just the situation. I I cannot get behind if anything else, just the offensive line as a whole. And then when you add in the fact that the defense is going to be bad, they're always going to be losing. They're going to be having to throw the ball. Is he even going to get the check down? Is he just going to be returning kicks at this point? We have no idea. So I'm Good just, Lord. I'm not interested. Good Lord. Look what they've done to our favorite players. Yes. Prayers up to you, Justin. Are, are we, are we just confused? Do you think like, how come it seems so easy for you and I? So I kind of see this, but like people that are making millions of dollars, like how can they not see like what I understand that we'll never know as much as the front office knows. Sure. Facts wise, but common sense just says that this doesn't make sense. And I don't understand why we can see it from the outside, but they don't see it from the inside. It is a plan to tank that that's the only option that I see the way that they deconstructed this roster, the way that they, you know, want to lose this year. And apparently in the, the, the team or the NFL meetings, they're having one because apparently the Broncos are going to be sold within the next couple of days. Apparently tanking was one of the topics of discussion between the ownerships of all these teams. And, and I think the bears are the one that's going to be on front line. That's going to have to answer these questions because they don't want teams to, you know, publicly show that they're tanking, but how do you, effectively rebuild a roster when you know you've been so bad for so many years and not even just from talent on the field it's because of your brain trust because of your front office because of your coaching staffs that you keep bringing in I mean who was that one dude that he was just a Tressman or whatever just horrible coaches Mm -hmm. that you keep bringing into Chicago I mean Jay Cutler has been your best quarterback over the last (laughs) 30 years or whatever, man. I mean, uh, Jim McMahon and then Jay Cutler. Like if that is your statues in front of your uh, stadium for your quarterbacks, I mean, I feel for you, Chicago Bears fans. This is this is a horrible situation that you continuously have to watch play out year in, year out. Yeah, because you think about it, over the last few years, there's been some big name players in Chicago that have had Hell an yeah. opportunity, you That's know, right. and on both sides of the football. I mean, Everybody hates Allen Robinson after last year. Allen Robinson is not a bad wide receiver, and they're going to be reminded of that this year. David Montgomery has been wasted. Justin Fields has been wasted. Heck, I still think that Mitch Trubisky was wasted, and I'm not going to say that Mitch Trubisky was some elite quarterback, but that dude never got a fair shake really either. It just seems like for the last five years or so, nobody has been set up to succeed in Chicago, and if it doesn't change – if you don't think that all these players don't talk to each other and stuff, as soon as free agency comes around, somebody's going to call a Khalil Mack or a Roquan Smith or a David Montgomery or an Allen Robinson. Like, dude, give me a heads up. What's it like? What do you think they're going to say? You know what yeah, I mean? It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Greatest place. You should go. No, it's just not the case. I mean, you're already talking about a, even though it's a very historic team, you got to deal with some cold, but but cold winters, you know what not I mean? Cold, so yeah. and you got to deal with a lot there in Chicago. It, it's not like that has, you know, a bonus of living in Florida or something right. like that with no state taxes. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. there's not, there's no draw like that to Chicago. They're going to have to figure it out quick. Yeah. You can lose and you can still get a suntan. There's nothing happening exactly. like that in Chicago, man. And during the season, good Lord. 
Chicago, we're trying, man. We're trying to, you know, give you some optimism. There's not much there, but Steelers got some optimism. We were talking about Deontay Johnson last week, and we were all like, yeah, he's probably not going to get his contract. And what the hell do we know? Because he signs, man. He gets a two-year extension, $36.71 million extended through 2024. And I mean, I will be honest, okay? I was shocked that they offered it to him. I was shocked that he, he signed it. I was shocked in the term and the money. I mean, it's roughly $18 million per year. Fine. Is he worth it? Okay. We can, we can debate that, but I mean, it's a two year term. So this is the thing. It's like the DK uh, uh, contract. And who was the other one? Uh, Terry signed one very short, I think as well. This is kind of strange to me why these wide receivers are entertaining the short-term contracts. Yeah. The Debo one. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Why are they signing such short term? Is it because this doesn't give the team any cap relief because it's a short-term deal either. So I don't know a lot of these moving parts that I'm like, what is going on in this league right now? Because the wide receiver talent is going to drop off in the draft in the next two years. So I I'm again, confused. And Maybe that's what they're banking on. You think about it. Okay. So you sign a two, three year extension, whatever it is, and you get a crap load of guaranteed money up front. In another two or three years, they're going to get another crap load of guaranteed money up front. You know Fair what I enough. mean? Yep. So I'm thinking that the mindset has to be like, all right, yeah, sure, it's only a couple of years, but then I'm going to get another fat stack of cash, you know, up front instead of getting a long extended contract that may be backloaded so you can still have players the next few years. Like in their mind, they're just getting a lot of money up front. And like you just said, and I highly doubt, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, Somebody will probably tell me. I don't think definitely tell you. Yeah, people definitely tell me. I I don't think NFL wide receivers pay attention to the up and coming college classes at their own position. I can almost guarantee you that Deontay Johnson doesn't know the next hot wide receiver coming out in the next two to three years in college. Like that's not their mindset. You know, they they don't care. So they're not looking at it, but we look at stuff like that and we can see that the well is going to start drying up. A little bit. Sure, there's going to be people that flash every single year, but we've been spoiled for a couple years as well. And if that starts to dry up, that's only going to drive the price of these guys up even higher in the next couple years. And that's absolutely mind blowing. It's crazy because the money that's flying around for these wide receivers right now is astronomical. It's like Scrooge McDuck money. <laughs> so I haven't heard that name in a long time. Dude, swimming Scrooge. through that vault of coins is all I think of. Yeah, man. What was it? DuckTales? DuckTales. Ooh. Ooh, good stuff, man. <laughs> I love it. <sighs> well, Deontay's singing his DuckTale praises because he got his fat stack. Now, with that, I will say we were both wrong mm. and right at Correct. the same time because we were all talking about there's at no the right way price yeah. yeah at the right price but we're saying there's no way he's getting 20 million a year right technically he didn't he did. get 20 he's, he's damn close right that's right he's 18.3 or whatever he damn close but it wasn't 20 so we're not completely wrong that's right we were right <laughs> everyone else is wrong that's just how it goes here but you know who else but is I wrong am surprised is? that he went back i i'm very surprised i really am but i mean it tells you what pittsburgh sees in them and and it, it's different because I guess because Pittsburgh bucked the trend here where they typically give their wide receivers of supreme talent, the long-term deal. So maybe they're still not hundred percent convinced that Deontay is the next coming of Antonio Brown or something, you know, like maybe this is for them as well to say, yeah, we'll give you the prove it deal. This is your prove it money. You want to get paid. We'll give you the good money. And then you got to show it to us if you want that next extension. Otherwise your ass is out the door because freaking George Pickens is making plays on the fucking regular. And I think I just knocked over my desk with my chub. Good Lord. 
there's going to be one issue I have with George Pickens. He's going to have to keep his. I mean, I don't want to say that it's a bad thing, but he's very feisty. Yes, he is. And he could definitely be a guy that draws a lot of flags with taunting calls and stuff like that. That's going to be the one thing that worries me about George Pickens, not his play on the field. It's can he control his emotions enough because you already – now, listen, I, I love trash talking and all kinds of stuff, but he's getting in the face of his own teammates with Minka Fitzpatrick, I'm hearing, mm. all kinds of stuff. Listen, I understand that when you're in the, the heat of battle, like you get emotional but you have to know how to keep that in check because that's great that you just made a 30-yard one-handed catch over over receiver, but then you taunted him and got a 15-yard penalty, so you didn't really help us out as much as you think you did. You know what I mean? So that's the whole type of thing that it's going to worry me about George Pickens is can he learn to control the emotion enough to where he's not just as much of a hindrance as he is a help to the offense? Yeah, and I mean, that was basically George Pickens' problem even going back to college. It was it was the fact that he was something of a hothead. And and if he doesn't get that stuff in line, and I get it, man. Like, you know, he's got, you know, potentially elite skill set talents in his body. So I mean, if he if he cleans that up, he's it's almost like the Tyron Matthew effect. He needs a Deion Sanders to, you know, be his mentor and his uh, you know, his confidant to tell him, you know, you're good and you're gonna be great. Just, you know, clean up the head relax space a little. And, and you're good. Yeah, relax, <laughs> just chill out. Don't be a diva in year one. That's right. You know, you got a lot of learning and growth to do, buddy. But you know who needs to learn some lessons is Mr. Marquise Hollywood Brown. Stop speeding through, you know, playground zones and school zones or whatever you're doing, buddy, because he's arrested on a criminal speeding charge last Wednesday. We haven't been on the show for a week, so this was uh, at, at the end of our last show. But I mean, likely not going to see any suspension. I think he's only missed what three days of camp so far and he didn't really face any jail time, but I uh, didn't hear if there's a court case pending. Did you see that or not? I did not. And I'm not overly worried about it. I mean, technically it's a speeding ticket. What makes it criminal is when you're over like 20 or 25 miles an hour. So it's not like he was, yeah. yeah. So it's not like he was driving around and, you know, intoxicated or with weapons all over. The, I mean, so it's nothing like that where I think it's going to be a, a big issue mm-hmm. coming from somebody who was just in Arizona a little over a month, two months ago. I totally see how he was probably speeding somewhere. Everybody in Arizona speeds. Like there is not a street that is out there where people are not going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit. So it sounds to me like he just got, you know, wrong place, wrong time. He should be good for the start of camp COVID, you know, hit Kyler Murray. So he missed a few days as well, yeah. but um, they should be back. They should be good to go. I still love Hollywood Brown and drafts because he is going to see so much volume the first six weeks of the season. And he's still going to be borderline flex play every single week, even once DeAndre Hopkins comes back. So I, I still love Hollywood there paired up with Kyler. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic in in Arizona. I'm I'm kind of lukewarm at this point. And, and I mean, I get why you, you, the first six weeks, my problem is how much, Will he see after uh, D hop comes back? So, I mean, first six weeks, hundred percent, he'll probably get peppered. He'll probably take deep shots. You might see, you know, a career high in touchdowns in the first six weeks for Hollywood, but after is kind of where I'm saying, I don't think it's going to drop off to a point. He won't be fantasy relevant, obviously, but it does scare me. I think where's his ADP right now. It's still hovering pretty, pretty high. I want to say for how comfortable I will be after six weeks. Yeah. Let me, let me pull it up here. It's still, Last time I checked was a fairly good price for Hollywood. Let me pull it up here. He is currently going as wide receiver 20, 59th overall. So what is that? That's fifth round. 
Okay. Yeah. See, okay, and, that, and that's the thing. So in typical, you could be having them as your wide receiver too. might be a little bit high for me if you're going running back heavy right off the bat, but I understand it because a big play opportunity and potential is there. And I mean, likely he won't see a suspension. So I mean, pretty safe. I want to say just no worthy. Stop speeding. I mean, shit, it's fine. Whatever. But I mean, I think it's because the kids coming from somebody who has had a criminal speeding ticket before. Oh, um, oh, oh, yeah, dude. I, I, at one point I was 20 or so ish. Mm. I literally was in Phoenix. Go figure at a stoplight. It, dude, it was like midnight. There were no cars on the street when this happened. And my buddy, my roommate pulled up next to me. I thought I was, you know, it's go time. I thought it was go time. It's exactly. go time. <laughs> did I did I look in my rearview mirror? Absolutely Hell not. No. <laughs> no. So uh light turned green. I I punched it. I uh spun my tires. We took off and I I I won. I beat my roommate. I was pumped. Perfect. All of a sudden I see the uh the lights flashing <laughs> and the cop pulls me over. And he's like, "Do you know why I pulled you over?" I said, "Sir, yes I do." Uh I Luckily, he was he, luckily he was pretty nice, but I still had criminal speeding, exhibition of acceleration, drag racing, all that stuff. So yeah, it was it was not a good time. But that's a, that's a good uh, he told to me get... he told me that he pulled me over and not my buddy because he said he felt bad for him because he already lost the race, doesn't need a <laughs> ticket as well. <laughs> so that's well, why he pulled me over. So he gave you six in in retrospect because uh, he yeah, I was that was that was a bad deal. That was Good, like man. 21 years ago. Yeah, getting getting a you know a, a phone book of speeding tickets yeah. on a drag race is great. Uh, yeah. uh, makes your day really good. But it was like one of those long CVS receipts. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you buy one thing, you get a 64 foot receipt. Like that was like my tickets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You go to the judge <laughs> and you say, "Can you please expunge all of these, please?" Because yes. you know I was just having some fun at midnight. Yes. You know who's having fun today, man? J.K. Dobbins. He is activated off the pup on that knee, and he is on track to play week one. This is a very big positive for a lot of the, you know, we were talking about this too. Based on his value, where would he be at this point? And he passed the conditioning test, which is very good. Gus the bus, on the other hand, likely not ready for week one. So this just amplifies the, you know, ADP glory that is J.K. Dobbins right now for fantasy football. Are you convinced? Are you in? Because I doubt he's going to see playing time in preseason. I really don't think he will because they'll probably protect him. But are you in? You you think that they're not going to nurse him along like they did a Saquon after his ACL? Am I in? I am in as long as he's my running back three. Okay. As long as he's my number three. Right now, he's currently going as running back 24, 52nd overall. So just the beginning of the fifth round. So say maybe you go running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, or tight end, wide receiver, whatever, and then he's sitting there in the fifth as my running back three. I don't hate it because I think we've all said this for a couple years now. If J.K. Dobbins is healthy and he's your running back three, he's potentially a league winner for your team because he's he's got that top 12, top 10 ceiling, and you're not paying that price tag for him. Do they work him along slowly? I think they do, but I don't know if that really matters per se because J.K. Dobbins isn't the type of running back that needs 20 touches a week to give you a solid fantasy day. Even when we saw him produce two years ago, he was doing it with like 12, 13 touches a week. He was just super efficient. I think last year when we were looking and breaking him down a little bit more, I kind of compared him to like an Aaron Jones where he doesn't need all the volume because he's involved in the passing game, the running game. He, you know, finds the end zone. He's just super efficient. So even if they bring him along slow in that offense, I still think that he's 
for a, a running back three startable right away as long as he's 100% healthy. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good with it too because I was I was looking at that ADP. It's going to start increasing likely as we get through the preseason, which sucks. But I mean, as long as he stays in that 20 to 24 range where you can get him as your potential flex running back, I'm in J.K. Dobbins area all day long because we love him and. That offense just likes to run the football. They're going to run the ball a lot. We know Gus Edwards isn't completely healthy. Right. I mean, are we really going to bank on Mike Davis or Tyler Batty or whatever else we want? No, it's going to be J.K. Dobbins if he's healthy. Beatty's a bad man. Man, I don't care. I I love Not this year he ain't. He's a bad man. I'm (laughs) loving it, but hey, whatever. J.K., that's good news on the front for him because, you know, we've been talking him up a lot. One thing I didn't like is the Broncos OC came out saying that Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon will be on a pitch count throughout the season. And this is the fear that I had overall because we are great Javante Vante supporters up in this piece. And I mean, I don't like it. It's not to me necessarily coach speak where we do hear it a lot. I think this is factual. I really do because of how we have seen it in the past. They want to keep Javante healthy. And this is the problem that for fantasy football, at least is that he still will have his opportunities. He will make the most of his opportunities, but the Melvin Gordon thing is always going to be in the back of the mind saying, can we get the upside of having a potential top 10 running back in Avante because Melvin Gordon keeps on taking freaking touches away. And I, and I really do believe this is factual. I don't think this is just coach speak. hundred percent. I totally, you don't go out and get a Russell Wilson and re-sign Melvin Gordon because if, if you just plan on going hundred percent to Javante, because they know they have their chance to win is now with Russell Wilson. He's not getting any younger. And they know that if they go out there and they run one guy into the ground, it's not going to help their overall team. They don't care about your fantasy football team. They're trying to win football games. And for the Broncos to be more successful is to have a healthy Javante Williams and a healthy Melvin Gordon. I look at this situation no different than I looked at it last year. Maybe I like Javante a hair more because I know he's going to maybe come out of the gate and not have to work for touches like he did last year. But it's going to be close to a... It's going to be close to a 50-50, 60-40 split. It's going to come down to every single week, which one of these guys is the one that finds the end zone. More than likely, they're going to score every single week. But it could be Javante, it could be Melvin, it could be Russ. You really don't know, and that's what's going to make it really hard to pay the hefty price tag on Javante Williams. We love him, 100%. We we were all on board top 10 when when no Melvin was there. Well, Mm -hmm. now that Melvin's there, it just changes things uh, 100%. I will not draft Javante Williams this year, but I will draft Melvin Gordon 10 times out of 10 if he's sitting there. His current ADP for Melvin Gordon, let me scroll all the way down here, (laughs) running back 34, 94th overall. A guy who finished inside the top 20 just last year. It's crazy value, supreme value for this running back who is going to have a good heavy role on a team that is going to be extremely balanced, I do believe, this year with Russ Wilson. I mean, with Vontae, what is he still going in top 10? He's, what, 207, I still think, right now? Uh, so Let's see here. He is sitting at 20th overall, so 208. 208. So I'm yep. off by one of my old list, but I mean... 
It's scary, man. It scares me for the fact that you could have other guys around him that could give you better production, like a Nick Chubb, even Uncle Lenny, we can say. Saquon behind him, I'm going for that. Alvin Kamara starting to get in the conversation for me because mm-hmm. of the no suspension, because of the, uh, the pushback of his court case 60 days. So this is the thing. Are you willing to draft Javante because we know what he could be? Or what is it actually going to be in Denver this year? And that, and that's a big fear for me. If you overdrafted Javante this year, just because of how the scheme and system is put together, that could really cripple your team, man, based on the value where you have to take them. Now, the one thing I'll say is if you are a late first round pick and you're not going to actually, no, excuse me. If you're like a early first round pick and you got a long ways to wait and your draft board goes heavy, heavy running back for whatever reason, by the time it comes back to you in the second, early third, I maybe don't hate it as much depending on what is left available, but the names that you just named, I am way more on board with than I am taking Javante Williams too early. I I think he's a solid running back too, but I'm not going to reach for him. Yeah. If if he's my RB two, I'm okay with it. I can, I can handle the headache of having the 55, 60, 40 split. I mean, that's just how it is in this offense, but Again, with Russ there, the pass game is going to be that much more efficient. Maybe it's going to be efficiency rates in Denver on the running back room this year. Maybe that's the key in in success. So you're going to be having to hedge your bets on matchup play more often than not when it comes to Vontae and when it comes to Gordon, I think, in this offense. Yep, 100% agree. Yeah. Interesting stuff. It's kind of fun. I mean, okay, we'll talk about my bills for a second because it's awesome. And Von Miller goes on Instagram and he puts on his story a picture of Odell Beckham Jr. wearing Buffalo Bills gear. And he says, come to Buffalo. Let's go after another ring dog. And I was like, oh, pants wet all over. Change (laughs) it three times. Okay. And we all know OBJ is not even going to, he's not going to sign with a club until his rehab is completely finished and he's running routes on the field. We know this. So he'll likely be around. I want to say late playoff run. Totally late November, December. We might see OBJ sign with a club. And then it's all about, you know, how can you do in the playoffs? Do the Buffalo Bills really require OBJ? No. Would it be a nice toy to have for a playoff run? I think I would, you know, shit myself if we got Gabe, we got Stefan, we got, you know, uh, Crowder, we got OBJ. We wouldn't even need Crowder and all those boys because OBJ would take the slot and the Bills would absolutely be an un- unstoppable force in the playoffs, barring any other health, health issues. Good Lord, man. Do do you think that it's just Vaughn? You know, Vaughn loves to recruit. I saw my guy Andre Reed doing the same thing in Atlantic City. He was uh, he had like a table with OBJ trying to tell him to come to Buffalo. So this might not be out of the realm of possibilities for OBJ to come to Buffalo, even though they don't really need him. But it would be pretty cool. I understand from a fan's perspective how it could be cool. Yeah. I really understand that. I just don't think it's needed. Like, I don't. I think it's, not, that, it's definitely not definitely at not. that point of the season. Like you're pretty lockstep with the quarterback wide receiver, you know, chemistry throwing in an OBJ. Does that throw off a Gabe Davis? And what if Gabe Davis is like on fire and then all of a sudden you lose both guys, you know, he just doesn't, he could totally ruin the dynamic to where I think Buffalo has more than enough to succeed. As long as the defense does their portion of the job, it's never been an issue for Josh Allen to go out there and score points. Like that's never been the problem. They, they, they have the people to score the points. So I can understand like from a fan perspective, how cool it would be there at the end of the season. I just don't think it's needed. 
it is one of those fears like the Vince Young back in the day. We got a dream team and you don't do shit. So, yes, I get it. Too many cooks in the kitchen is never a good thing. You do need some, uh, you know, sous chefs, apparently. What, to, what is OBJ just going to go every year to a new team that's like going on a Super Bowl run? Basically. Yeah. He figured it out, man. He gets his uh, $8 million for yeah. a couple months of work and he wins a ring. That's just how he operates. I mean, I can't say that I blame him 100%, but I also couldn't think of him coming back in November and being 100% either. So, I mean, there's so many other factors in there that I think the Bills are are good. Get Isaiah McKenzie involved more. Don't worry about OBJ. I I agree. I think they go with who they got. They don't need him, but again, just it's fun. It's fun as a Bills fan because – you know what? We're really good this year. We're not always good. But you've I'm been so good for excited. a couple of years. We've been good for a couple of years. And last year really hurt. I almost quit football after those damn 13 seconds. Literally, yeah, you I did. Was, you I even was, talked was, about it. I did. I was I was close to retirement. I was putting it on. I was never going to watch football again. I was never going to do this again because how much pain can someone take, man? But speaking of pain tolerance, man, Peter King, he reports that Robert Wood's knee looks totally back to normal and i am shocked by this his recovery has been unprecedented to me especially for an aging wide receiver you know we typically see some setbacks but bobby trees man he could be smoking those trees out in tennessee and good lord man then everything definitely changes for this offense for me with a bobby trees on the field yeah i mean am i overly surprised as how quickly he's back no until you figure in the age factor and how he is quote unquote football old, you know I mean? So that's the, that's the thing right there, how he's back and looks a hundred percent is crazy. And I'm not going to spoil too, too much because this video or this podcast is going to be dropping on the same day. Actually, no, it's going to be tomorrow at the time people are listening to this. I, I am going, I painted a master. I spent way too much damn time researching Ryan Tannehill and I'll be damned if I don't have the, the, the absolute, gem of all gems plan to drop some knowledge on Ryan Tannehill. And a lot of it has to do with Bobby trees. I'm excited for what potentially could be in store for Tennessee this year. Oh, highlight alert. Stay on alert. Dude, for it, I, I mean, I, I mean, who literally researches Ryan Tannehill? I do on a weekend. <laughs> I, did, I did it back in the day too. I mean, so. yeah. So I mean, I don't like to say this publicly because people are like, damn, this guy's got no life. All he does is watch yeah. Ryan Tannehill film on Tannehill. a Sunday evening, but I, I couldn't stop. Once I started reading into things, mm. man, the, the writing is on the wall for the Tennessee offense to be good. And if Traylon Burks, can perform it's going to be even better than what i'm kind of looking at so yeah, I, yeah i'm I'm pumped about it i think bobby trees being healthy at this point means a lot and not so much from a fantasy output production for himself but the overall offense that could really open up some things for derrick henry more than he's ever seen before you know if, if Traylon burks can get going nobody wants to talk about austin hooper in this off offense nick westbrook i can't say his last name i keen i think yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's just some pieces here that they could make this team pretty freaking good this year. And and you know, I've been underselling them, and I'll I'll admittedly say that because I was a non-supporter going into the offseason of the Titans this year. And I mean, outside of Derrick Henry, I just I wasn't there. And I'm a huge fan of Traylon Burks. I just thought chemistry was going to be the problem. I wasn't convinced that Rob, uh, Bobby Trees was going to come back this quickly. And that was my biggest you know, caveat. If he came back, then obviously my tune was going to change, which it has today after seeing this, that he's basically back to himself. And that to me just is, is baffling for a guy of his age coming back and recovering that way off the ACL. 
But like you're saying, I mean, with a Hooper who can block, this line is going to be no worse for wear. You got Ryan Tannehill, who's always been fantastic at the play-action pass. Bobby Trees is a magician over the middle off the play-action pass. We saw it even in his days in Buffalo. He just he, he can pull apart defenses off that play-action pass. If Traylon Burks is that X factor and he can be something like A.J. Brown was, and even if you're talking 150 yards less, maybe two touchdowns less, this offense is going to be no worse for where they're younger, they're faster. And I mean, that Kyle Phillips kid also, man, playing some slot uh, duties, the UCLA wide receiver. This offense looks better and better to me on, on paper every day now that Bobby Trees is back. 100%, because now all of a sudden defenses, they're, they're going to pay attention to Derrick Henry. The offense is still going to go through Derrick Henry. He's still going to get his touches. They're still going to be a run first team. But now all of a sudden, because they're having to pay so much attention to it, you have these guys all over the field running routes that are in single coverage. Like there's not, they're just not, they're going to have to have too many people inside the box to where they're not going to have a choice. And man, a healthy Bobby trees opens up a ton of options here. And like you said, Traylon Burks doesn't need to go out and get 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns this year. I think if he's anywhere in the neighborhood of 1,000 yards and a handful of touchdowns, Bobby Trees will be more than more than good enough to be that second leg of a, of a wide receiver group that can make things happen in this offense. Agreed. And I think, Bobby, if he gets like 55, 805, I think that's that's a massive success for Bobby Trees in this offense. And Tennessee, Tennessee, you got some glory to look up. King Henry now is going to fly up my board even more because of this. I, mean, I had him at you... two, so I can't yeah. get him put him much higher. I hear you. I think I had him at four or three or four. I think three, but good Lord, man. Alec Pierce, I wanted to talk about this guy last week. We didn't get the time uh, to talk about him, but I mean, he's making waves in this Colts offense. Everyone laughed at me before the season or before the offseason started where I said, you know, I'm still a big fan of Matt Ryan going to this Colts offense. I know you guys didn't, but there were people outside were like, you're crazy. Matt Ryan's done. He's lost a step. And we all agree he's lost a step, but he's still extremely, you know, viable in the league to be a good quarterback. He does nothing but throw 4,000 yards in this league, 20 to 25 touchdowns. He's going to do that again with the Colts. No kidding about it, especially with the offensive line that the Colts do possess. But Alec Pierce, man, he has been so dominant. And, and I got to, you know, I got to put some shit stink on the Bearcats for not utilizing Alec Pierce. Yeah, man, I said it. Shit stink because you guys messed up, man. This rabbit quick first step, the great hand fighting, the long speed looks unbelievable. Contested catches all over. And I get it. Okay, it's training camp. Relax. I get it. But this is what we want to see. These are the first steps that we want to see in growth, maturation, and pro uh, projection for these rookies. This Colts offense overall in the past game, if Alec Pierce does turn out, good Lord, man, Michael Pittman's going to be running free all day long. I mean, I'm not one to comment on another man's long speed, so I don't know if I can go into too much detail about I that. Like, I like the long speed. I'll <laughs> let you be the long speed detail breaker downer, okay? Uh, but yeah, I... Alec Pierce is going to be exciting. He's going to be somewhat of a role player. And I think a lot of it has to do with what is actually going to happen with Paris Campbell. Cause every single year we love Paris Campbell and every single year he gets hurt. I love me some Naheem Hines this year. Ooh. I, I love Naheem Hines to me. Naheem Hines is somebody who could finish inside the top 18 at the position. 
Because look at Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has always checked down to his running backs. What made Naheem Hines good in Indianapolis a couple years ago? Philip Rivers checking the ball down. They have other options. And that's why we like Michael Pittman the way that we do, because defenses can't just solely focus on Michael Pittman. They're going to have to look other places, and they got playmakers in other places. It's not just some boring move-the-chain guys. They have options in this offense to go vertical down the field. And it's getting a little bit exciting. I mean, I know I just talked about how much I love Tennessee this year, but Mm. the Colts are going to give them a run for their money. The Colts are going to be a good team. You know, the offense still going to go through Jonathan Taylor. He's going to get a ton of volume still. Does he get what he saw last year? Maybe not, but he's still going to get more than enough to produce. Similar to Derrick Henry, right? Defense has got to pay attention to it. It's going to leave a lot of one-on-one on the outside. Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell, Naheem Hines, all of them could be fantasy viable at some point this season. Oh, I love it, man. I love it so much. I've been such a fan of these Colts for too long. I don't understand why I like them. Peyton Manning, I blame you, man. Yeah, it's, you made it's Peyton's it, fault. You made it fun to watch Colts football, man. And I think this year it's going to be relatively the same. I don't, I, especially in a weaker division for Matt Ryan, I think we could see the flirting of 4,200 yards, 25 touchdowns. 11, 12 picks that makes him a very reliable fantasy quarterback. Mm -hmm. And these wide receivers got to catch the ball for him. So if you imagine an Alec Pierce on the outside, Paris Campbell, maybe outside slot, maybe we go slot deep. And then now you got Michael Pittman just feasting all over the field and then taking those deep shots of Paris. And oh my God. And not that Michael Pittman is Julio Jones, but we've seen Matt Ryan. We've seen Matt Ryan go down the, down the field deep a lot to Julio. And we could see a lot of the same with Pittman. I think the only difference there is like the game breaking speed that Julio has to where he could take it and, and be gone with it. I think Michael Pittman is going to be more of those contested catch 50, 50 type guy where he comes down with the big play, but doesn't have a lot of run after the catch. Not as much like what we saw in the past from, from a Julio. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, it is what it is in that respect as well, but best offensive line Matt Ryan has ever had in front of him. I think it's going to do wonders. Last one before we get out of here, Juan Dale Robinson. I mean, okay. I'm going to admit I did not, he did not grade properly for me. Uh, it was just his game. It, I it gave him a lower grade score. If you watch it on headliner, you, I believe it was 72.2 and it's not a bad score. I put him as a developmental character wide receiver, and he has been turning my head in mini camp in training camp. And right now he's impressed so much again, depth chart first depth chart. He's listed as a starter and because they want to see him in live game action. So this is what I want to see. In preseason, Wandale on the field versus some, you know, okay, fine. Maybe it's not first stringers, but second stringers, real NFLers. And I want to see what he's able to do. If he can prove that in this Brian Dable offense, him and Kadarius Tony likely going to be the one and two who are extremely explosive because my guy, Kenny Galladay, is completely shit in the bed. He um, looks bad. With- he looks horribly bad, and I I'm, I can't promote you anymore, Kenny. If, if I were to play wide receiver, I feel like that's what I would look like. Like <laughs> it just looks stiff, and he looks yeah, slow. Terrible. You know, what I mean, it just doesn't everything. It just doesn't look like something. It looks like something's just off there. But the problem that I have is still not the talent of the wide receivers. It's the talent of the damn quarterback. Yeah, and you see clips of Daniel Jones like totally airmailing passes, and you know I'm still more. I'm still more Tony than I am Robinson, but I don't overly love Tony. I'm not banking on Tony for anything just because of Daniel Jones. I will draft Kadarius Tony before I draft Wandell Robinson, but I'm only going to draft Kadarius Tony to stash him on my bench in hopes that they can figure out the offense 
there at some point. Maybe they transition quarterbacks at some point. Who knows? Maybe it's the reverse Tyrod effect. Who knows? Maybe he actually gets to win a job this nowadays. <laughs> but Daniel Jones is just so bad. Yeah. And it's not that he's like, it's not he sucks at football, but he's just so inconsistent. Like he can go out there and do something. You're like, damn, like that kid is good. And then the next time you question whether or not he's even thrown a football before. And to me, that is just not what I want when I'm looking at, at fantasy production. And that's what, that's what worries me a little bit more is sure. These guys can do something after the catch. Both of them can, but if they're not being delivered the ball in a spot to where they can make a play, we're never going to see that yard after the catch because the, they're going to be fighting to try to haul in a target. I know it's Danny Penny's ruins everything for him. He everybody. does. <laughs> He's like herpes. He it, just it, makes it, it a yeah. horrible weekend. And the medicine doesn't work, man. No. You go get your prescription and you still got growth on your junk. Like that's that's a bad day, man. That's Danny Penny's in a nutshell. And I mean, I would be okay with Tyrod taking over this. Offense. I wouldn't mind it. I really would. And and Tyrod, like I've I've preached it for God knows how many years now. Tyrod is the Uber, you know, game manager with the prettiest deep ball you'll ever see with accuracy. Tyrod's game is all deep ball accuracy. So if they do put Tyrod in, then good Lord, you're going to have a, a lot of deep shots to Kadarius. You're going to have a lot of deep shots over the middle to Wandale. And we could see two very good, viable wide receiver, young, youthful, electric wide receivers. Wandale just impressed me. I, I just, I wanted to bring him up because I think that maybe in, people know who he is now, but I don't think a lot of people are, you know, going to be saying, you know, he's going to be year one ready. And, and from what I've seen thus far, I just, I, I'm, I'm changing my own perspective because he's been that good. This, uh, this training camp so far. Just don't screw it up. Daniel Jones. Don't screw it up. Like that's the, that is the end all be all. Cause yeah. Okay. Kenny Galladay, he's probably done. Sterling Shepard coming off that injury, he's probably done too. Tony and Robinson could be crazy explosive wide receivers in the NFL that could have a very interesting role on this offense if they can just figure out a way to get them the football. And I, I'm just I'm not sold enough on on Daniel Jones. I think Tyrod Taylor deep balls to Kadarius Tony sounds really intriguing. I would Long love balls. to see stuff like that. Yeah, but I mean. I, it, it kind of goes back to what we talk about with Saquon and why I know how you're the Saquon lover. And it's not that I hate Saquon. It's just what Daniel Jones is just like the X factor and everything. Cause if he can't deliver the ball down the field, Saquon's going to have nowhere to run again. You know what I mean? And that's the whole thing is like, if until they can get a passing game, that's working, the run game is not going to, it's not going to come along. And it's because no defense is scared of Daniel Jones. And I get it. And I understand the fear. I completely do. But I'll, I won't sit here and s- listen to any more hatred on uh, Saquon Barkley. I just won't do it. <laughs> you cannot speak any hatred because my love for that man goes too deep. And I'm going one last year before I divorce this man from fantasy. I'll, I'll give you your one. I mean, you know what? The longer the preseason goes, the more yeah. I'm I'm becoming on board with it, depending on where he is yep. in the draft. I just totally. do not want to rely on Saquon Barkley. If I can get a stud in the first round, if I can get a Jonathan Taylor, a Derrick Henry, even a Dalvin Cook, you know, something like that, one of those guys there, I would not. If it was a league that I cared about, I would not draft Christian McCaffrey and then draft Saquon Barkley. Like, I, I, could, I couldn't do both if it was a, a serious league. If I want to go out there and have some fun, you know, against some, some public league or like a listener league type thing, then yeah, maybe I'll be totally crazy and just try to, you know, 
catch lightning in a bottle with both guys. But if it's something where there's like a big money league or something, I, I don't know if I could do something like that. So what about this, uh, this scenario? It's my keeper league and we lose the draft pick where we keep the guys keep three between Saquon. He's my first round pick. I lose that. You got Terry. I got him in the 11th round back in the day. I have Tyreek in the 11th round back in the day. Allen Robinson last round because I picked him up off of waivers. waivers. <laughs> and I got Travis Etienne last round off waivers. Mm, dude, I am all over. Pick three. Dude. Do you know what you know what number you pick in the draft? Not yet. We have to put our keepers in first and then we understand where we pick. Damn it. Because I was like, you could you could literally keep three of the other guys and you may be able to draft Saquon. I know, get, and that and that was the thing I'm if thinking. You get one of the first few picks. Actually, <laughs> let me see because I think we changed the rule. Yes, I pick third. Dude, so you may have a chance to grab Saquon then. I know, but the difference is I need to know who these guys are taking because it's a big risk. Because right now I'm going Saquon, Etienne, and Tyreek. Those are going to be my three keepers as of today. And I'm still debating this. We don't have to have it in for another, I think, 11 days. Uh, But that is the key. So if, if, like, Joe Mixon might be out there unprotected um dalvin cook might be out there unprotected so i'm sure nick chubb will be unprotected because nobody likes nick chubb no they they protected him they this really this league listens to us they they like nick chubb yeah good they're smart people then yes they are but my god if there's if there are three solid running backs that you feel are available Mm -hmm. i i don't keep saquon I go with like a Tyreek and Etienne and like an Allen Robinson or something like that. I think you said, and then I try to target that guy in the first round. That's what I want to do. I'm just terrified because you know, what's going to happen. No one, my luck. I'll be like, yeah, I'll get him back. And then he's picked at number two and then Saquon has like RB three for the year. And I'm going to be like, what would really be great for you? Yeah. Would that would be, that would be horrible. What would be great for you is if three guys that were available would be Mixon, Saquon and Zeke. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be Dude, fine with any one of those three. I know it's um. It, I think Mixon is going to be one of the guys for sure, at least. For, uh, and then you add Brees Hall, so someone might take a Brees Hall over top of that. Right. So then there's going to be you're going to have a chance. There, there is definite possibility, but I got these guys like to wait before they put their keepers in to mess me up. So, hmm. the pain yeah. and struggle. Man. Interesting. The pain and struggle of keeper leagues, but that's right. Well, real quick, before we get out of here, I want to make sure I mentioned to everybody, too, we're getting ready to kick off our uh, our listener leagues here pretty soon. Drafts are about to start over on fan tracks, but they're doing a huge giveaway this offseason, and I want to make sure everybody has a chance to get in on it. It's the fan tracks game day experience. It's a chance for you and your 11 league mates to go to an NFL game of your choice and get $6,000 in spending cash. All you got to do, go to Fantrax.com, use referral code headliners, start up a new league, or bring over an existing league, and then you're automatically entered in, trying to make sure somebody here from Headliner Nations walk away with that huge, huge prize. Ooh, baby, what a prize that is. And if you guys don't want it, I'm going to take it. I like. I mean, to dude, 12 things. tickets and six grand, that is a huge prize to somebody. Huge, man. And you I get to pick that. the game that you get to go to. Good Lord. And if you didn't want to go, you could sell the game. So there you go. Sure there you go. go. I'm sure you could sell the game. Again, I'm make sure you probably could. Jesus, I'm stealing it. Nobody's winning, man. We're going to rig this thing so I get it. But nevertheless, man. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in to all the listeners. Thank you for all the support. And until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out. <laughs>